Welcome back to the Lumberjohn Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Woods. In today's episode, I got together with my friend Zach Robertson, carnivore, sauna enthusiast, and well-rounded awesome human. We talk about things like community, movement, hunting, and saunas. It's a really good way to warm up the fall. Let's take a listen. Here we are in the sauna at the Green Lake Public Pool. I'm here with Zach Robertson. And this is the Lumberjohn Podcast. In the sauna. <sighs> Zach, who are you and why are we in a sauna? Hmm. Who is Zach? Yeah, who is Zach? Who's this guy? Yeah, eclectic mixture of molecules. Hmm. Alright. We're in a sauna because we both love saunas. Saunas. Saunas are pretty great. Um, we chose this one as a place close to me, uh, having never been here with either of us, and probably not likely to come back. Well, for uh, what it's worth, uh, you're in like the Cap Hill area. Yeah. When you search for saunas in Capitol Hill, you just get gay bathhouses. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never been in one, so... Uh, I wasn't really to take well. wasn't really to take that chance yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might not be the best place for an interview. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it would be a great place. Yeah, yeah who knows? Yeah. I'm making up a story in my head, and yeah. I don't know. Maybe they treat you real well. Um, yeah, but this right. place uh, this place is interesting. 160 yeah. degree sauna. It smells like we've got mushroom soup. Mushroom okay. soup. Okay. Yeah, it's great. So, we here we are, clusters of molecules that like saunas in a mushroom soup infected space. Yes, it's great. What else? What else is a Zach? Well, also related to saunas, since I just got back from Burning Man, Ooh. which is kind of a sauna in itself during the day. It is but, a desert. But it can also get quite cold at night. Um, I was there, so I've been there the last five years, including this year, this is my fifth year in a row, mm. and this year I got the opportunity to go with a National Geographic documentary film crew, so um, very interesting going there as a paid participant. Yeah. So the last four years I've been going as a, uh, a member of a camp, okay. and the last couple of years as a lead of a camp. So lots of responsibilities there, building up camp, arriving before, staying late. And this time was very different because our whole focus there was to explore the different um, sweat bathing opportunities. So Nashio is interested in, in, in lodges? Yeah, so, um, so they, I don't know if they've signed off on the options of it yet, but uh-huh. the production company is creating a series called Perfect Sweat Mm. and that it's going to be 8 to 10 maybe even 12 um, episodes and they're all over the world all the great bathing cultures of the world so they've been to Russia um, Scandinavia, Finland um, Turkey all over the place they still are going to Mexico perhaps Iceland um yeah, they've been to Japan, so lots of different places, and so they kind of explore the breadth and depth of 
the world's bathing cultures. Yeah. Using sweat. Sweating all over the world, okay. So, you got, yeah. to, you got to represent that in Burning Man. Yeah, and so the Burning Man episode isn't actually the Burning Man episode, it's the American episode. It just of course. happens to be that this is the culmination, of the greatest culmination of sweat bathing cultures in one place in mm. America. Yeah, as as I, I, don't, I don't know how huge it is other than other cultures bringing it and having yeah, well, some I mean, places. There are, uh, probably most of them are actually Americans. Uh, well, maybe not most, half-ish, who have their own iterations. Mm. Uh, so it was very interesting to see all the different versions of banya, sauna, sauna, uh, different, <laughs> different steam bathing things. They, they yeah. get very particular about how you say it and which one is the best and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think they all have something of great merit for the most part. Um, some of them were like, really thrown together DIY style mm. um, really just meant for the specific purpose of getting hot and getting clean the ones were much more um, ceremonial mm. uh, like the Banya there was this camp called Art of Steam and they are a Russian Banya camp and they have two different offerings one of them is this um, this little building that is covered in like quarter inch thick felt it's the thickest felt I've ever seen mm. and Inside they have this heater, of course, that um, has these different things that they can open and throw water in and control the heat quite well. And then they have these beds that you can lay on mm -hmm. and they'll come through with venic, which are these little branches, they have oak branches yeah, and uh, birch and other things. There. I think these ones were oak um, and it smelled really nice. They said Americans tend to like oak better <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, and then they they have you lay down and it becomes a really um, interesting experience because it's kind of puts you in a trance mm. so you kind of lose track of everything else going on around you and you have this um, it's really interesting sensory experience where you've got the sense of um, different oils that they'll put on the stove and different um, smells of like the venic, the oak coming yeah. through, and then they we they'll open the door regularly to let in more oxygen. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, it's and they were the lodge. Yeah, lodge and they were talking right about how you know most of the time when you're in a banya or a sauna and you are getting exhausted, it's just usually because you don't have enough oxygen. Mm -hmm. um, so if you get enough oxygen, you can stay in a lot longer and actually get more toward exhaustion. So they mix that in, and then they're bringing, um, using the Venix to bring fresh air in, and they're also bringing hot air down from the top and moving things around. So you've got lots of different um, elements happening. And, and that was a really cool experience. And you also have sound um, and the feeling of the Venix going over your body. Mm -hmm. so is this in complete darkness? Or? Um, it is quite dark. Yeah. yeah, it's not completely dark, but it's very dark. Mm -hmm. So there's. For us, there were two different, uh, I can't remember the name, like the people who were facilitating the experience, like the Banya master. Yeah. Um, and actually a lot of the other participants in there, the extras during that filming were also. So it was really neat to see the way that they um, they did things. Mm -hmm. and that was really cool. But then their other offering was this mobile Banya that they created, and it was gorgeous. Um, they called it the Amethyst, and it looks like you're in an Amethyst cave, so they... They spent two years building it, um, and 
it's all these sculpted walls inside yeah. that have amethysts in it and lights, so they light up all all beautifully, and then they also give you the same, um, a similar wonderful experience with the Venic and while you're sitting in there, and it's amazing. And then the whole other side is all stained glass looking windows, so. And mobile meaning on wheels? Yeah. Damn, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Their hope is to be able to like drive it around Playa. Uh-huh. Yeah. Really Lots of other different kinds of sonnets too. Like there's this the first guy who brought sauna there. Um, he has helped a number of other camps build saunas as well. And his his dream is to have every camp have a sauna. Yeah. Um, and not for Brilliant. just superfluous reasons of like just having a sauna, but because it's also um, a really efficient way to get clean. Like you know, you're taking a a shower uh -huh. and you generally use about 30 gallons of water in what we call the default world outside of Burning Man and you're still using um, a few gallons of water if you're at the burn but if you're in a sauna like some of these saunas were only using a gallon an hour mm -hmm. so you, know, you could still run you could run 50 people through the sauna in and that's just to generate humidity or what's so there a lot of these were just straight up steam so they're okay. just pumping steam in, so okay. and only a gallon an hour. So then um, that steam is helping you to get hot and sweat and get clean. So if you say you have sunscreen on because it's hot and you don't want to burn, um, it's hard to get it off even with soap. But when you're sweating, you just sweat it out of your pores and it all just comes right off. So as a, just a means of um, water saving, it's pretty hard to beat there. Mm. So and also it just feels great. Yeah. Like, okay. Even if it's, you know, people are like, why in the hell would I sauna in the desert? And, well, it's, even if you come out of the sauna and it's 115 degrees outside, it's not 185 where you just were, so it still feels cold for <laughs> yeah, a minute. Yeah, there's still a contrast there. Yeah, and you feel clean, so, yeah, it's really nice. So I'm hearing there's, there's a eco-benefit there, saving water, mm -hmm. and you get clean. Uh, there's an element of ritual. Um, yeah. And it feels good, and it's it's good for you. It's yeah, and there's also one thing that's really really nice is just the vulnerability aspect because you've got a lot of different naked, generally naked people uh -huh. in one space. People who don't know each other, and it's um, desexualizing nudity, which is really nice as well. Um, yeah. And it's another way to create community. Community. So you know, all different body types, all different mm. kinds of people, mm. all different backgrounds, all in the same place. Which is one of the things that I love about it in general, but at the burn it's even more potent. Yeah. Are you are you are you a community focused individual? Yeah. Would you say so? Yeah. And so how do you? What does community mean to you? Uh, community is something I think in the states is often fairly lacking. Mm. And it's kind of it's a source for I think a lot of the woes that we have. Beauty, a place, uh, gathering place. Yeah, it's nice like to have energy. Space, like neutral spaces where you get to meet other people. Like here, you're here for recreation. You're here to get your kids here. You're here to have a sauna, train, whatever you're gonna do. And you're gonna be here with other people who are here for the same purpose, but mm -hmm. don't necessarily share the same background as you. Yeah. You know, like one of the problems with like, social media, it's been. Um, very well explored, of course, 
is that we're in our own little feedback loops there, right? Yeah, we're in, the, we're in the little chamber. Everyone's yeah, we're in our little bubble. Yeah. So at least places like this where you can find community, you probably have different kinds of people you're going to be around. Uh, I mean, you're in Seattle, so it's going to largely be liberal. But uh, it is does seem like it's a little harder to get a real... Um, a real mixing of many different kinds of people mm-hmm. most of our most of our lives it's been interesting getting into hunting more because um, most of the hunters that I run into are certainly not liberal mm-hmm. um, so the conversations are, are interesting so hunting what what brought you into that space uh, so largely um, well, maybe I should backtrack. I hunted about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I grew up on Orcas Islands, deer everywhere. The old joke was all you needed was an apple and a hatchet, or an apple and a hammer, and that's all you needed to hunt. Um, I hunted with a couple high school friends right after high school, and it was a really great experience. I wanted to know um, the connection to what I was eating more, and know really what it took to take a life of something um, that I was going to not being removed eat. from yeah, it. yeah yeah because I mean I wasn't raised really eating meat much like some chicken and fish but not red meat <laughs> what were you raised eating <laughs> so I was raised eating fish and chicken here and there, but mostly vegetarian, Uh, and I, you know, like many people, were swayed by the attempts to get people to not eat red meat, um, vegan propaganda, and whatever else it may be. Did you, so did you eat, well, let's let's fall back on that, so so where'd you grow up, you grew up on Orcas Islands, what was was that like? Yeah. Growing up in Orcas was interesting. Story. I lived there since I was age, from age 13 to 21, mm-hmm. and very isolated place. 200 people in my high school. Yeah. 40. I mean, we had 42 graduate in our class, and it was the largest graduating class ever at the time. Wow. Yeah. Um, a lot of opportunity to get into mischief, but not get in trouble for it. Mm. So, and it's only like three, maybe four police officers for 3,000. Unchecked, no law. Yeah, so definitely a lot of that happened. Um, Yeah. So So those... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, what kind of uh, what kind of hobbies, activities, goals did you have growing up on Orgasm? What was what what drove you? Other than I don't know, mm. fitting in. Uh, never, I never really fit in. That's, never fit in. That's for sure. I I had like the long hair and the hoodie uh, in middle school. Hmm. Didn't really have friends for the most part. I moved there because it's a clicky place. You know, people, all these people grew up together. You know, yeah. from. You know, small from the jump. They can, like as early as they can remember, they've been together. So, uh, took, takes a little while to fit in when you're the new guy. Um, yeah. So I didn't really, I wasn't really trying to fit in. Just did my own thing. Didn't really care. And um, 
ultimately, like, I had a really great time in high school, super fun. Mm -hmm. Did whatever I wanted and had lots of, lots of fun friends. Yeah. But I also have a very uh, woo-woo metaphysical mom. Mm. And she also used to be a substitute teacher, and in her mind, homework was busy work. Okay. And so she never made us do homework. So up until eighth grade, I did no homework. Okay. How do you um, feel like that that affected you? Your, oh, you and your a school? lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. My I failed probably most grades up until then, mm -hmm. but up until I think sixth grade, your parents get to decide whether you go on or not. At least yeah. up here. Um, so growing up in Kirkland Redmond, I just got to go into the next grade because my mom said yes. Yeah. So seventh grade, I think I got a D. I did one homework assignment that got me to pass, I think, <laughs> in one of my classes. And that summer, I had some kind of epiphany. I was hanging out with um, some unsavory characters, you uh -huh. might say, um, criminal, drug addict types. And um, I was getting in trouble myself, shoplifting and, um, and smoking weed and drinking. Um, which yeah. I had started at like age 11. All right, so started life. pretty early. Well, that was that was off island, but um, I grew up super poor. Mm. And my mom was raising five kids on her own, yeah. and um, she's an entrepreneur, massage therapist, um, running her own businesses for over 40 years. Uh, mm. But you know, she's gone working most of the time, so yeah. we're off doing doing whatever. So luckily, in that year, um, through my mom having some come to Jesus type conversations <laughs> with me of like, you're going back to your dad if you don't shape up. And I did not want to go back to my dad at the time. So I changed. Uh, the next year, I think, yeah, eighth grade, I won most improved student of the year. Um, and then every year it was better to high school. And then I went, traveled around the world for a few years. Went back to college, mm -hmm. student body president, president of the Honor Society, largest community college in the state. Um, so I think because I didn't have a like an upbringing that was um, that emphasized scholastic success, mm -hmm. academic success, um, and then finally realizing that it was important on my own terms later on, I went after it really hard. Yeah, it wasn't installed for you. You kind of it for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, things molded me there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now I have a thirst for knowledge and a thirst for pushing myself to things that make me uncomfortable and try mm. to explore that feeling and, uh, yeah. and learn more and be more um, worldly and aware and also try to share that information, yeah. teach people and awesome. learn more from them as I can. And on that journey, um, I met Paul Saladino, mm -hmm. and at that point, I hadn't been able to eat most things for about 10 years. Um, I traveled through Central America for six months, um, India and Nepal for seven months, um, all over the states, hitchhiking, lived in Texas for a while. Um, and through that, I, I got some kind of stomach bugs. Yeah. Um, and I was unable to eat allium entirely for 10, 12 years. Allium and, for? Um, onion, garlic, mm -hmm. chives, those kinds of things. Yeah, okay. 
and met Paul, did some testing with him, found out I had all these different parasites, mm-hmm. uh, nuked them all with antibiotics, and I generally try to stay away from any kind of medications whatsoever, so I didn't have any resistant strains, or at least I wasn't likely to, so yeah. the medications wiped everything out, and now I can eat everything, but I'm, um, I'm always looking to optimize mm-hmm. um, and kind of go with what makes the most sense as a human animal. I've always felt we're still animals. Mm-hmm. We still need the same things animals need. And we're yeah. still an animal. We're still in a meat suit. Yeah. We still need to give it what it needs. Yeah. Um, and that includes food. You know, I see so many people shoveling things in their face because they're ubiquitous and everywhere. And it seems like things that we see all over the place we think are probably fine. You know, we all drink mm-hmm. out of plastic because we see it everywhere, right? We all eat at these places that are serving us food, but we don't know where the hell it comes from. But since everyone else is doing it, it must be fine, right? Like, we have this kind of, um, I don't even know what you would call that. It's like, um, it's kind of a herd mentality, but it's yeah. the herd doing something makes you feel like it's acceptable. Mm-hmm. Okay, not to think about it so much. So, Fitting in. Yeah, so the more I... I keep looking into things the more I find out that what I was told all along was wrong mm-hmm. um, or was told to me because of an agenda like red meat being bad for you and all these other things so um, meeting Paul was very um, poignant yeah. at a certain point different, in my life different milestone. Yeah. yeah so it, he made it so I can eat anything I want but now I choose to eat less than I ever have before uh-huh. um, I like his model I like I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, so going full carnivore has been the best dietary decision I've ever made. Mm-hmm. I, my, I've had, I've had brain fog my whole adult life. Yeah. Um, and it's been gone since I started carnivore, and that is huge. Yeah. Um, so I'll never, I'll never go back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll, if I go to Italy, like I said before, if I go <laughs> other places, like I will eat everything. There, but I'll always return to the baseline of being carnivore and supporting local supporting. farmers and animals that are having happy lives. Like it's really nice going to these farms, meeting the animals, knowing that yeah, I'm gonna eat it, but for the time being, it's like I can appreciate its life. I can pet it and you know, and like have fun with it, feed it, and um, it's really nice to have that full-on connection. So yeah, you know how um, it's lived. Yeah, and hunting is just a natural extension of that. Like I still prefer to um, be the one to take the animal's life and honor it. Um, like going to some of these farms to the slaughters. Like I haven't really appreciated the way these butchers will kill the animals. Um, I mean, they kill them humanely, but just the there's not a lot of reverence for the animal. It doesn't seem they they've killed thousands of these things over and over again. So it's yeah. like like any kind of slaughterhouse or whatever, you get used to the killing and you're kind of jaded to it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'll never get that way because I don't killing animals for a living. Yeah. So if I'm hunting an animal, I'll still be able to have that somewhat emotional connection to it. It still gets your heart racing. You still feel for the animal. You know, you want it to suffer as little as possible, mm-hmm. knowing that like its death is necessary for your life. Um, and maybe, I mean, it could definitely be argued that it's not, because now we can have vegan, vegetarian diets and things, but I would not call that a life if you're living suboptimally. And um, I think for most people, it's pretty hard to do that and do it well. And most of those people are not getting their blood tested. Mm-hmm. So I am curious to get my blood tested after doing this for six months to a year. I think coming up on six months. Nice. Um, and yeah, so hunting is a natural extension mm-hmm. of 
the carnivore diet, of course. So going to going back home and bow hunting, crossbow hunting. It's gonna be it's gonna be a nice place to return to. Mm. Yeah. And gonna use the entire animal as well. So, life with no brain fog, what have you been able to do differently? What have you found? What, what, do, you, what do you do with this newfound bodily autonomy? Mm. Just think more clearly most mm -hmm. of the time. Um, unless I'm like sleep deprived, like I am right now, it's a little hard for me to find <laughs> words, but I don't feel the fog. Like yeah. the fog is like, I used to describe it as um, feeling disconnected from my body, like I was looking through my eyes as if I were observing not, someone not, else. Not driving. Yeah. 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 So it's like some little disconnect there. And I haven't, can't uh, remember a time that that's happened in the last six months. Mm. So that's, that's really nice. Uh, allows me to think a lot more clearly to structure what I want to do better. Because um, oftentimes I'll get, I'll get lost. Yeah, have the brain fog, and it's like a little bit harder to stay on track with things. Mm -hmm. Planning. And uh, yeah, the things just seem to make more clear sense to me now, mm -hmm. which is good. Especially now that I've got multiple other um, kind of startup business ventures I'm part of. It's nice to be able to be very Ooh, clear yeah. with it. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, so. And how about you? Have you found anything like that? Like, what's been a big change for you? Are you still kind of work? Yeah, Virgil? absolutely. Except for that oatmeal yesterday. Say, yeah, I had some oatmeal yesterday. And still, still sweating it off right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I found that being paring down the diet can, for me, just bring a sense of like intense focus and concentration that I never knew was really possible. Mm. Just like, um, it's not like I'm I have tunnel vision on one thing. I have like an expanded vision of just like, okay, everything is clear. I don't have anything holding me back. I know exactly what I'm capable and not capable of. You know, I'm not superhuman. I'm just like a focused, chiseled version of myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's what have like you a, noticed in terms of um, energy levels? Energy levels, I noticed that in the morning I can get up and be like, yes, I'm just like ready to do things. I have incredible energy. And even when it comes to not eating for a while, I don't derive all of my energy from my food immediately. It's not like, oh man, I'm really tired, I gotta eat food so I can get energy. I'm just totally. like, always have that steady thing to draw from. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've noticed the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really powerful. I've always, um, I just thought I was like a super sleepy person. Like I would just mm. need to sleep all the time. Yeah. Um, and sleep long. Like I need at least like nine hours of sleep. You know? uh -huh. But I don't. It's just that I was probably stressed out from all the other foods that I was eating. Mm -hmm. So now yeah, I just it's, have energy. I wake up. I'm ready to go. I wake up earlier. Like I think I still set my alarm as if I need to get up late mm -hmm. or not set one at all and I just wake up and I'm ready to go. But now here's here's one thing, do you uh, do you have any sort of uh, rhythm, circadian rhythm uh, routine in your life when it comes to sleep? I don't you that don't? much. I tend to uh, be a bit of a night owl. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be up late mm -hmm. a lot of the time. 
2 in the morning. I, f I do a lot better when I'm in bed by like 11. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't often happen lately. Mm. So, but now I struggle with routine. Yeah, for sure. That's sad. Routine's definitely been a crutch in my life as I've, you know, I, I, I cling to what works. Yeah. And so, routine is important. And now, now intuition is important. Going with the flow. Vulnerability, going into a situation I can't control, not knowing the outcomes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, with this sharp mind and you feel like you're in control of your body, what do you what are you doing these days? Dance around? Well, aside from two recent injuries, um, <laughs> which I do not know for sure, but I have a sneaking suspicion that the dairy has been contributing factor. Yeah, with injuries aside, I've been really excited to continue with my uh, with movement, teaching, with deepening my learning as a continuous student of movement as well. Movement, that's the crawling around, crawling around, crawling around, climbing, like squatting, a human, and a crab and a lizard. I spent a lot of time in my life kind of vacillating on different ideas that I have, mm -hmm. things that I want to do, um, kind of going toward one path and realizing it's not for me. So it's been like a long time of narrowing things down to things that actually are something that's really interesting to me, something that resonates with who I am at my core. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm finally figuring those things out and ready to spend time working on them. Mm. So like, I was a bartender for about seven years. Uh, nicely, I only got to, only had to work two days a week. Mm -hmm. It was kind of the schedule that I built for myself. So it was very easy to do lots of other things in my free time, could travel very easily. You know, if I got two days covered I could basically travel for two weeks at yeah. a time you know and I could pick up shifts whenever I wanted it was ideal but it wasn't it wasn't really in line with anything that I want to do or be part of yeah it was just a means um, to an end yeah it was I mean I liked I really liked the owners um, Revel Jewel and Trove and Revelry um, Rachel Yang and Safe Churchy they're amazing and it was one of the only hmm. service industry places I've ever worked where like there's just not a bunch of weird drama and yeah, lucky you're lucky crazy shit happening between <laughs> employees. Um, so it was really easy to stay there, and I had an awesome bar manager. Um, it's a really nice environment, and awesome people to get to come in contact with. Yeah. Lots of tech employees, and just a lot of my friends actually came from that place. Like my roommate, um, one of my closest friends, he was a patron of mine. Traveled to Italy with him. It's great. And yeah, I just I needed to get out of there, so I just quit and I took a year off mm -hmm. and traveled to Europe. And when I came back, I was really ready to just be here. Mm -hmm. So uh, while I was in Europe, my partner she got me involved with um, a friend of hers who was starting up a company, eSports supplement company essentially so um, now part of that wow. and uh, really excited to help take that somewhere where it can help um, gamers who 
tend to have um, they have a lot of drive, a lot of passion for mm-hmm. what they're doing, but they oftentimes lack in taking care of themselves. Yeah. Uh, so if we can find ways to give them better supplements that they can take and also um, get them just a little bit more aware of movement in their lives, mm-hmm. uh, be really nice to help that community become more engaged with the human animal as they play as a different kind of animal. Yeah. Mm, I had a dream. I had a dream of bringing bringing movement to the folks at DigiPen, mm. getting them up out of the seats, because yeah. I know how hard it was for me. Yeah. A year after graduating, I was just in so much pain and I had no idea why. I spent my life chained to an office, office chair, yeah. and I just didn't know what was up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be really great. Yeah. And we can do a collaboration there at some Sharing point. with, just sharing the, the knowledge, because it's not a prescribed thing. No one is like, here's how you take care of your physical body. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and just having simple things that can also be fun too. You can even take breaks and play games with your with your coworkers. So, so what uh, what does movement entail? What is what are some of the, t- the the question? Yeah, what is what is this whole movement what is thing? Movement? Yeah. My answer. The answer is usually just to start like moving uh, around, and then you'd be like, "Oh, it's that." My answer <laughs> is as varied as movement is. Every yeah. time it's different. <laughs> And c- complex, sometimes confusing, sometimes salient. It's, yeah. It's something that combines, at least, I mean, my my path in movement is largely through um, Ido Portal's work, Tom Wexler, of course, my exposure to David, Galena, and Tanner Walker um, through SBP. Mm-hmm. And, but it's mostly through Ido's work, and he, I obviously can't put any words together that would be something that would come out of his mouth, he's so (laughs) eloquent and interesting in the way he speaks and thinks about things. Yeah. But my impression, um, from what I know, from the years of practicing, is that not everything is of value. Some people think that movement is ridiculous because it ex- it has no end and it will explore everything um, somewhat equally, as if all things, all forms of movement have value, but they don't necessarily. So, um, I think Ido is very good about exploring all kinds of movement to find what is valuable um, to us as the human being. Yeah, and that, of course value is dependent upon the subject so yeah, goals yeah what is it in your life you know you know talk about how we most of us are not athletes we're not the specialists we're generalists so mm. the training that we do it doesn't necessarily make sense to do training that a specialist would do when we need to move our bodies as a movement generalist so it's probably more practical for us and interesting honestly if we're not going to be a specialist and a high-performing um, athlete in a particular realm, to explore a lot of different kinds of movement. Yeah. So Absolutely. all of these different forms of movement, these different disciplines, have something to offer. Something um, very, generally, something very powerful for training uh, the best way 
for, that is appropriate for that particular kind of discipline. Mm -hmm. And if we can take those certain things and combine them together and get these people in all these different disciplines talking to one another and sharing the information, maybe we can create something that's really fun and also really powerful in terms of reshaping um, the current human that is generally very removed from what it is to even move as an animal. Mm, um, yeah. We can take these things and form the basis of a more intelligent mover, someone who is able to utilize all the capacities that the human has in terms of strength and mobility and be able to do and experience more in the modern world. Like right now we're sitting on benches, which mm -hmm. is kind of funny because oftentimes, so obviously it's practical because we have the microphone and um, sitting, we're trying to block off some of the wind, which who knows how well that's working. Yeah, who knows. Um, but you know, we've got grass around us. We could be squatting, we could be rolling around. Well, believe um, me, I did think about it. Yeah, right? <laughs> but it's not very practical for the current moment. Yeah. But that's outside the norm of our societal yeah. norm of movement. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at a lot of us movers, when we start out, we're a little awkward about it and we're self-conscious. And over time, many of us get to the point where we're like, fuck it. I am, I am an animal. I'm going to move like an animal. Yeah. Why am I sitting and standing and laying down? And that's pretty much all I do. Why, why am I not hanging? Why am I not running and jumping and rolling around and doing different kinds of fun things? Um, I just hit the mic. <laughs> so the more we could do that, the more we could integrate that into our lives, I think the healthier and happier we're going to be. We evolved moving. We evolved doing lots of different kinds of movements, not just being sedentary, not sitting looking at phones and sitting on computers mm -hmm. all day. Yeah. So this, the, old, the more time I spend researching, um, the more it seems like that we can go back to our kind of ancestral roots, which seem like are very based in collaboration and community and play and all, back all kinds community. of movement. Yeah, and, mm. and like even in terms of eating, like the ways in which we get our food, um, as close as it is to its original source, the healthier we're going to be. Yeah. So everything I'm doing in my life, well not everything, but most things, I'm trying to get more back to the ancestral human um, in a modern context. Ooh. I think I just found the name, name of the podcast. Oh. <laughs> so, hunting, the moving, simplification. Hunting and moving, back to your roots. It might just serve you well. Mm. Yeah, one thing that is a little underrated is if you're a carnivore and you don't go to the store, you got a lot more time. Wow, I have so much more time. I can just sit and ruminate on things. <laughs> <laughs> this is an old so healthy. Ruminate on the things I'm eating that are ruminants. Yes. Um, yeah, and I don't miss going to the store all the time. It can be a rough place sometimes. Yeah. 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 So I'd like to have more time to sit and contemplate and um, think about the directions I want to take and things I want to plan like I've got lots of ideas for um, even just in terms of movement with things I'd like to teach and explore with other people mm -hmm. so looking forward to starting this except I'm putting that out there right now on a podcast I'm gonna have to do it okay <laughs> this uh, 
Sunday movement meetup, different mm. parts of the city every Sunday or someday. This is something that Bree and I have been talking about. So put that thing together and then we'll all get to move around. It's a free time to hang out and get people exposed to movement too. Because every time you're out moving around in a public place, people are like, what the hell are you doing? Can I join? Should I join? Yes, join. Join. Come. Join, join. Come. Come, come move. Yeah. We like people. Yeah. Come be movers. Come be human. Yeah. Get in touch with the ground. Nice. Well, Zach Robertson, where can people learn more about you? Do you want people to learn more about you? <laughs> Do you have know. any presence? Much. I don't have that much presence online. I do have a Twitter that I never use. Cool. Um, so don't even bother. But there you go. <laughs> Instagram, Facebook, it's all where is Zach? W-H-E-R-E-I-S-Z-A-C-K. Um, I have not been very active posting on Instagram recently, but hopefully that will change soon. So I've got lots of exciting, fun things coming up. Um, lots of film things coming up pretty soon, actually. So, um, cool that stuff will be posted I guess we didn't really get into that but that's another new startup I'm um, kind of becoming involved in it's okay you can so be secretive about that yeah yeah that <laughs> could be, a, be a future podcast we can talk about or something um, but yeah it, those places are good and um, speaking of future collaborations it would be cool potentially to take um, what we're doing with this one startup to DigiPen mm. with you. We talk about movement and yeah. formulate some things to do. So get Seth and Nelson involved. So yeah, get that get that ball rolling. Love it. <laughs> Bring the gift of movement. Yeah, keep keep deepening community. Keep community, keep moving. And there we are. My wonderful chat with Zach Robertson. Despite all the interruptions and venue moves and people getting in our way, we managed to have a pretty good podcast. I feel all warm and fuzzy inside, and I swear it's not just the sauna. If you have anything to say about this episode, drop me a line at lumbertronic at gmail.com. And until next time, keep sharing your story.